and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last time. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. Two days from now is the primary in Pennsylvania, and the mayor's race in Pittsburgh is not only going to determine the course of Pennsylvania's second largest city over the next four years, it's also a race the candidates who are getting organized right now for statewide runs are carefully watching. So last week, we had on the campaign manager of State Representative Ed Ganey, Moses Nelson, and today we're sitting down with Skylar Schaefer, the campaign manager for incumbent mayor Bill Peduto. Skyler is going to share his unique trajectory over the last five years and how his team is busily preparing for the final hours of GOTV. Bill Peduto says he's running for a third term as Pittsburgh mayor. He announced today that he'll seek the Democratic nomination in the May primary. Skyler Schaefer, welcome to my kitchen table. Good to be here, Ari. Appreciate you having me. Well, we are in the, uh, you probably counted down the hours to this mayor's primary is done. So I'm super grateful and uh, uh, our listeners are too. And I would just be curious, I mean, you've had considerable experience um, on non-municipal races um, in the legislature, but how did you get involved with the mayor's campaign and when did that all start? You know, it's a long path. I don't know if you want me to start at the beginning, but I I worked on some local city council races here in Pittsburgh, uh, Bobby Wilson, Erica Strasberger, and, you know, some of the, the consultants associated with mayor's campaign, you know, brought me on after working a couple of slight legislature races last year. Before that, I was in city council races. Uh, and it seems like a good um, kind of landing spot for me. And you're, you're originally, you're not from the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, tell folks uh, where, where you uh, were born and bred. Oh, I was born in Okinawa, Japan, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. We moved around quite a bit, settling down in Pennsylvania when I was 10 in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, where my dad was a Navy recruiter, um, which is like... Which is deep- pretty landlocked. Uh, how did the recruiting go in Clearfield County? Not well, <laughs> not good at all. Uh, and actually, it went so poorly. He had to end, he ended up doing his last year back in like back on a ship. So we had to move to Virginia Beach for one year when I was in eighth grade, which was terrible. But yeah, and then we moved back to Clearfield, and that's where I graduated high school. And then I went to St. Francis University and bounced around a little bit and settled in Pittsburgh. And here we are. How'd you get involved in politics? It's a funny story. I mean, I you know I've always been a you know true blue Democrat from very early on was never super involved. My family wasn't involved. There's no story left any family or anything like that. Um, I moved to Pittsburgh and I lived with a gentleman, um, Pat, who, Pat Milham, who uh, was involved in politics. But I was, you know, thinking about going to graduate school, waiting tables, didn't do anything. And then years went by and I kind of struggled to find a career, uh, find a place. And um, I was painting houses and ended up like breaking my hand, going on unemployment, then, um, you know, came off unemployment, there was no work. And I messaged my friend Pat, because he knew everybody in the city, he was involved in politics, that's all I knew. And um, he texted me within two minutes, I just wanted a job at like 
a warehouse or something, like something to pay the bills. Like I just need, I need, I need work desperately and I need it quick. And um, he called me back two minutes later and said, you're an organizer for me at Next Gen Climate. Um, this was July, 2016. And happened to be the perfect time to text them because they were right then they were hiring a, a slew of organizers. And, uh, you know, my friend gave me a chance and kind of went from there. I worked at Next Gen Climate in 2016 and I've been doing this ever since. Wow. Okay. I had no idea what to expect, but uh, that is quite the uh, trajectory over the last five years. It's so, not a uh, typical story. No, No, but every every story is different. That's what makes uh, the host in this podcast so fun. Well, I mean, when, when you were organizing, I mean, this was literally door to door. I mean, what what I'm not too familiar with Next Gen. I'm not sure if our listeners are. Yeah, no, sorry. I'll like, explain it. Uh, Next Gen Climate uh, was is uh, a super PAC. Uh, it's Tom Steyer, who ran for president in 2020. And it was a super PAC dedicated to uh, getting out the vote on environmental causes and specifically focused on voter registration and turnout on college campuses. And it was fantastic. Uh, Really, you know, in politics, it is really well-funded. So you didn't have, you know, I I was very spoiled at the time. Like, I didn't realize, like, later on, you wouldn't be able to, like, have pizza parties every single night for your interns and spoil them with, like, Lyft and Uber rides and just, like, deep pockets. But the upside of that was that the training was first rate. My third day in the job went to a, tra- a statewide training, organizer training in state college for all the organizers in the state. And um, it was clear it was, it was really well done. And there's lessons I took, you know, that day, I, I keep with me today, you know, and how to organize, how to, how to launch canvases, how to, you know, making, you know, there's things I still do, like train, Every, every, every canvas we launch, everybody has to practice the script before they leave. I mean, it's these kinds of things, these kinds of habits that were ingrained in us like that weekend. So, Well, to use the term, let's, let's launch from there to uh, uh, Mayor Peduto's re-election. So give us a sense when you came on board, uh, how big your team is, you referenced some consultants, you're in the final few hours. Um, super grateful for your time, but you know, give, give folks a sense of the, um, you know, the, the makeup uh, as it currently stands and then the, uh, the genesis of the, the campaign for when you came on board. So um, the, uh, you know, I, I've, I've known the mayor for a while um, and some of the other, uh, some of his other allies. And, you know, I, I, I managed Frank Dermody's race in the fall, uh, which was a heartbreaking loss. And even through the fall, I knew this race was coming up, but this was, this was a big job in Western PA, probably like the most high profile race. There's a lot of judicial races. But this was an interesting one to take. We, at that point, didn't know what the field would look like. Uh, there was scuttlebutt, uh, but we were certain there would be a challenger. And they had reached out to me in, in November uh, to talk about potentially doing this race. I expressed, like, you know, uh, great interest, brought me on in December, and then I started assembling a team. And is the team, I mean, from the jump, uh, you know, I assume that the you didn't have as many field organizers, but give a sense department by department, the composition of, uh, of your team. The immediate composition was, you know, a finance uh, director, a uh, fundraiser. We brought on a field director in January. All these people were brought on. Well, the finance director was on actually before me. Uh, we brought on a field director, uh, a comms director, and actually I kind of carved out a space for a data director because I thought this race would, you know, the, the landscape at this point requires so many different text banks and phone banks and, you know, uh, walk lists that I think it's almost helpful to have like a separate person that does that from the field director. So we brought that on and then started hiring organizers. The team is, uh, we currently have four people on the fundraising team right now and another 
12 or so full-time staff um, and then some paid canvassing staff that's in addition as well. So to what extent was was everything offline from the jump or uh, was it kind of a metamorphosis from uh, the world of Zoom organizing to uh, actually pounding the pavement? So, yeah, it was, you know, we were we were all remote at the beginning. Uh, there was no office, which we were all kind of used to. It was interesting, like, you know, most campaigns, you're like hurrying to get into the office, which was a particular challenge, like especially setting up standards for a new team and not being in person, not being able to see everything everybody's doing. That's one of the first times I experienced this problem. And, you know, we got through it, but there's a lot of check-in calls, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of checking up on everybody and having to-do lists for what everybody else is doing. And, you know, it, 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 but it was really challenging. And I was really grateful to finally get in an office where, we, you know, we take the utmost precaution. It's a gigantic office. So everybody has a ton of space between them. You know, we all wear masks. It's well-ventilated. And uh, I, I, almost everybody is uh, double-vaxxed at this point. So... It's almost kind of like changed from January to May, where we're at. Well, thank thank goodness for that. You know, using the, uh, the pizza party analogy, it has me thinking. I mean, how in those critical early days, I mean, how, how do you build an esprit de corps and cohesion of people who had never worked together to, you know, really understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and build a, a seamless team? <laughs> it's really hard, Ari. Uh, you know, you, you, it, it was difficult. I don't know how to say it to say like, I couldn't wait to get in the office for people to actually, have, I, you know, my field director, I had never met her in person until you know, three weeks in to her employment. I knew some of the other people on the team who kind of knew each other. So there was already some cohesion there. Yeah, it was challenging. Well, I find democratic politics, especially in PA, is pretty incestuous. So uh, had you worked with any of these individuals before? Or, I mean, or had any of these individuals worked with each other uh, last cycle? Or is everyone just getting to know each other for the first time in January? They knew each other somewhat. I had, you know, I, my, uh, date, my communications director was a former intern of mine at NextGen in 2016. My data director, I had known professionally for some time and, you know, I'd always want to work with him. Uh, so I was eager to bring him on. Uh, my field director, I interviewed and met and had heard good things, but had never been exposed to her. Uh, and our finance director, I knew, you know, kind of personally, but I'd never worked with her and was really eager to work with her. She's one of the best in Western PA. So. You've emphasized a few times field. So why don't we uh, start with that? Um, and you've, you've even mentioned paid canvassers. So what neighborhoods in particular has your team been focusing uh, on? And, and I guess also uh, to what extent were you doing voter registration and, and even pushing people to, uh, to get uh, ballots in the mail? Oh, these are great questions. And field is my passion. Well, there's, so there's no real, I wouldn't say there's really any particular neighborhoods we're focusing on. I, I mean, I, I, you know, we do at the end start to focus on certain blocks and our target universe and our ID uh, supporters. But at the beginning, it is, you know, and through the campaign, it's mostly covering the whole city, uh, getting coverage everywhere, getting knocks and getting calls in. I believe to, you know, you don't want to, you know, in neighborhoods you're strong and you want to run up the score and neighborhoods you're weekend, you want to stop the bleeding. So I don't like to leave, I don't like to leave the uh, flanks undefended. So we're everywhere. Voter registration, that's a great question. I think I, I kind of believe in this kind of thing, even though I come from a background of voter registration is very intensive. And unless you're doing solely that, I don't really believe it's worth the time uh, for, you know, a campaign of this size with these kinds of resources to be doing that, you know, registering college students is fantastic. You know, it's often, you know, you're getting them registered where they vote, but just doing blind registration, 
generally if somebody hasn't registered to vote, they're not super likely to then vote. And our, our, you know, modern campaigns are based on finding likely voters and making sure they, you know, talking about your candidate, making sure they end up voting. And I guess, uh, you know, actually come to think of it, the schools aren't even in session. No, right? schools- I mean, uh, so this, this, this mess, the semester's ended, even if there wasn't a pandemic, the semester's ended. Semester's over. Uh, the students actually are not present in Pittsburgh for the primary and they would have to vote by mail to, to participate. But vote by mail is a huge factor in this election. You know, we're projecting somewhere around 50% of the Democratic electorate in the city will vote by mail. Uh, 55-0. Yeah, 5 It was... Wow, that's huge. It okay. was about 70-75% last spring and then dipped down a little bit in, in the fall. Um, and now here we're at 50. I think some portion of people are really comfortable voting by mail. It's very convenient. And some portion want to go back to voting in person and back to their old rituals. We want to go back to the bars. We're getting vaccinations in our arms. So it's about what we thought. It was, but it was all guesswork. But that has been a major part of the campaign is you know talking to our supporters and finding out whether they want to vote by mail. So I don't want to push anybody to vote by mail if they're not going to then send in their ballots and complete the process if they want to vote in person. So you know, that's been large parts of our scripts is like, how, what's your plan to vote? Are you voting by mail? Are you voting in person? And then helping them through that process. Here's your tracker. And we, we, we text people, we call people. Uh, I have my phone bankers, you know, you know, they, they'll look up and like, where's my ballots? And uh, there's a lot of, you know, with the addition of vote by mail, I think elections have taken on like an additional dimension, which is time. It used to be election day, 98% of the electorate voted from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., and now every day I wake up, somebody voted while I was sleeping. Like, it's very stressful. It's like a, a, a month long GOTV, which is, you know, at once an opportunity, but also very stressful. Well, hopefully uh, the next topic isn't as stressful. Uh, I know our, our listeners in Western PA probably have watched the debates and they're, they're reading the coverage. Uh, but give folks, because candidly, a lot of our listeners uh, are in Harrisburg at Southeast PA and D.C. and New York. But I'm happy to say we've crossed 2,200 listeners. Uh, and it's growing in Western PA. But give us a sense of what 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 are the topics when your team's at the doors, um, and what what what's dominating this race? I've heard about police reform, but uh, I mean, what 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 are you hearing, or what is your team hearing as you're at the doors uh, on the mind of everyday voters? So, police reform is a big topic. We are in a municipal primary, and what I tell people it's the quote from any given Sunday: "It's the six inches in front of your face." For a voter, it's the six inches in front of their face. It's potholes. It is traffic uh, calming measures. It is snow removal. It is, it is, it, you know, a, a mayoral election is, is very local. You know, the, the, you know, we're not, we generally aren't talking about the Paris climate accord. Uh, even though, you know, Mayor Peduto is, is, is fantastic on the environment and it does come up quite often. People are most often concerned about, you know, the, you know, the, the, the dilapidated home next door or, or um, homelessness, or you know, uh, snow removal, or whether the garbage gets picked up. So that's that's what we hear predominantly. Has, has the race attracted a, a lot of national attention? I mean, do you uh, does your comms director or the candidate um, have you been getting calls from from reporters outside of Pittsburgh? Not a ton, no. And that was a kind of an open question whether it was going to attract national attention, and it, it hasn't really, uh, not so much, no. I guess the reason I ask is that you you open the door and I think it'd be helpful for, for listeners. And the mayor does have a really strong record and has made a national name for himself when it comes to environmental issues. And, you know, I think when a lot of folks think of Western PA uh, from outside of Western PA, they, they think it's all kind of homogenous. And they might think of uh, the Shellcracker plant uh, up the road in Beaver County or 
natural gas development uh, down down the road in Washington County and Greene County. Um, but the city of Pittsburgh is a little bit of an enclave uh, uh, of a progressive uh, oasis. So if you could speak to the kind of the environmental themes that the mayor's really been a champion on over the years. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the mayor, he will tell you that he, uh, when he was on city council, he was elected in 2013, but when he was on city council, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago, led the cause to ban fracking within the city. And people say, well, there wasn't going to be fracking in the city, but there were uh, leases, like there there were there were leases in, in um, I believe, Homewood and the Strip, possibly. I'm not sure exactly where they were, but things like that. Uh, he's He's been a leader on, I'm proud to work forum. You know, every candidate I've worked for, I feel has been fantastic on the environment is a big issue for me. So yeah, it's been, it's been an honor. Um, but, and I, I do believe that it is important for, you know, democratic heavy, you know, urban areas, you know, to kind of lead the way on environmental causes um, into, you know, they're kind of at the spear's tip of them and they kind of move the Overton window to the left on this stuff and kind of you know, start to pull the rest of the region with them. I think that's important. You've been super generous with your time. Two two questions to wrap up, and I realize we're you know in the final stretch of this campaign. Number one, what do you uh, uh, see as what what's next? You know, obviously every 2022 candidate in the state is watching this race uh, for various reasons. But what's next for you? You've had uh, an amazing ride over the last five years. Oh my God, I want to sleep. You know, I'm going to take a I'm going to take about a week. Uh, I'm probably going to take a vacation. If the mayor wins, and we're very we're very confident, I you know I'm employed through the fall through the general election, you know we're we're expecting a Republican challenger. Although like in general, it's you know, the Democrat wins uh, election here in Pittsburgh. It's tough for a Republican or an Independent to win in a general. So I'm I'm with the mayor through the fall. After that, um, you know the Senate races, the gubernatorial races, the gubernatorial race are very interesting to me. Uh, I'm you know. I'm, Looking around at the field, thinking about candidates that I'd like to maybe get attached to. It seems very interesting to me at this point. Last question here. What on election night? Number one. Uh, so I'm doing the political thing. It isn't the last question. Uh, number one, are we going to know uh, by the time folks go to bed on election night? And, and uh, number two, what neighborhoods do you think uh, uh, or what precincts uh, should our listeners really be focused on to give a clear sense? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Like I said, um, about 50% of the electorate will vote by mail. So Allegheny County, you know, last year in the primary, which was the first like massive amount of like vote by mail. Uh, and then last fall, uh, starts counting the ballots at 7 a.m. on the dot. They start opening them and start counting. Uh, in the primary, you know, one year ago, they had 140,000 ballots out of 200,000. They had about 70% of them counted by 8 p.m. And at 8 p.m., they release a batch of the results. Like they all go up. It's kind of terrifying at 8 15. Like a ton of results go up. Um, in my race last year, I worked for Emily Kincaid. It was, and it was, was within 400 votes when those went up. And it was just like, this is going to be really close. Uh, this is, you know, kind of a nail biter. Uh, and that, that went our way. So there was about, like I said, there was about 200,000 last spring. I think it was about, it was, it was like 350,000 in the fall. Uh, they took a little longer to count last fall. I think there was like much more care went into it to make sure there wasn't challenges. You know, they were checking to make sure people's the dates were correct, the signatures were correct. So there was a lot more sorting, a lot more care went into it because of potential legal challenges that we've been that been brewing all summer from Republicans. So this spring, we're at a little over a hundred thousand ballot requests. Uh, so that's about where we're going to be countywide in this race. 
We're at um, about 27,000. So like I said, they got 140,000. I'm sorry, this is a long uh, part of the story. But uh, they about 140,000 counted last primary by 8 p.m. And I think there's a good chance to get through all the mail-in ballots by 8 p.m. And we have those all counted. And then we're just reporting precinct results, which will be probably around 10, 11 p.m. I think we have results, unless it's really close. So, and 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 we we think or we hope, I'm very optimistic that we won't have like complete poll coverage and we will be getting results from our polls. So we'll likely know before the rest of the world. So if you want to text me on election night, Ari, I might give you a scoop on uh, where this race sits. Skylar, I might, might take you up on that, but thank you so much for your time and uh, uh, good luck in the, uh, the final few hours here. Thank you so much, Ari. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.